All right, welcome everyone to the Rob the Genius Podcast. I'm about to get things started for this week. By the time you hear this, uh, we will be in like, what, week six or seven or the, the quarantine social distancing thing. I have lost count. It, uh, look, I mean, at, at this point, I know I work Monday through Friday and I'm home, and I don't work Saturday and Sunday, that's pretty much how the days go, so I do not remember exactly what week this is of it, uh, we've been doing it for a while, hope you guys are doing okay, hope you guys are staying safe, and, you know, taking all the necessary precautions, and, you know, my heart goes out, prayers go out to families of anyone that has been taken from us by this thing uh, you know I, I, I've said before I don't really have any magic words here to say to make anybody feel better or do better um, but you got my condolences for whatever that's worth and you know I, prayers go out to anybody who's suffering from it right now and is fighting it right now stay strong keep fighting you know don't let this thing take you and hopefully you know we huh looking for the day when when it's better don't know when that's gonna be but all we can do until then is take care of ourselves and take care of each other and look out for each other But anyway, uh, getting in, getting to start off the show here, I figured I would just start off talking this week instead of with the music because I wanted to talk a little bit about who I'm going to have for the musical guest this week. You know, I looked at who I've had so far and I noticed that I've yet to showcase any female artists. So I thought it was a good time to rectify that. So this week we will be featuring Janet Jackson. And I thought she would be a good choice because she's been a big deal for a really long time. And she doesn't get the props today that she should get given the success that she's had. And that's largely because I mean, she got screwed over and thrown under the bus you know, back in 2004 after the Super Bowl thing when... Uh, she and Justin Timberlake were on the halftime show, and at the end of it, he, like, ripped away part of her, the thing she was wearing, and exposed one of her breasts, and it was, like, a planned bit that they had come up with, and, you know, got a bunch of people way up in arms, and she ended up taking a fall for it, and she essentially got railroaded. I think the CBS like banned her from appearing on the channel, and they host the Grammys every year, so it meant she could not be there. And a lot of just her, you know, promotional efforts for her subsequent albums just didn't get anywhere, and those albums did not do well, and she just got a complete raw deal over that whole thing. Now, if you want to come at me and say, well, she shouldn't have been doing that, she shouldn't have, they shouldn't have done that, okay, fine, but, you know, Timberlake essentially 
walked away unscathed and got to continue on in his career as if nothing had happened and she didn't so she lost a good 10 years of time because of that and you know it's just now recently within the past few years that she's kind of resurfaced and has been you know going back on tours and stuff and doing very well you know and it's just time to it was past time to you know give her some more of the flowers that she deserves for being one of the biggest you know pop music acts of the last 35 years I mean she was she was there before and during even you know the rise of people like Britney Spears and Beyonce and Christina Aguilera and you know Lady Gaga and you know you know then everyone else was coming after them right and she kind of was the not well pioneer is probably the wrong word but a lot of your favorite female pop artists of the last 35 years or last I guess the last 30 years or so have been like following in her footsteps or mimicking some stuff she did or what have you so she deserves she deserves that credit and you know for a long time she wasn't being talked about at all but now you know past few years she's resurfaced she's gone back on tours you know, she's finally starting to get some recognition again so she will be the musical guest this week now all that being said uh, I've got to plug a few things before I get the conversation started this week I was on the Nerdicons podcast again doing a, uh, a fan cast for a Batman TV show you know, uh, that was a whole lot of fun I really enjoyed doing that that is up now and you can listen to it and by the time you're listening to this the next appearance I had on there will probably be in the books it'll probably be available for you and that was a movie review of the uh, Transformers the movie from 1986 and I had a lot of fun doing that so that's three times I've been on there and hopefully you know do it again sometime in the future so, but check them out. Uh, again, Nerdicons. Check them out. They're really cool. They talk about a lot about like TV and movies and stuff, but also like figure collecting. If you're into that stuff, uh, they do a lot. Of, they cover a lot of that there. It's a good fun time. I recommend it. And you can hear me on there a few times, and maybe you'll hear me on there again. And also, just uh, going to give you know a couple of replugs for some of my own stuff here yeah I, my uh, Wrestlemania review episodes are up my uh, episode from last week when I talked a lot about just the economics of sports during you know the coronavirus outbreak and there's some more news with that I'll get to uh, some things with ESPN in particular and some of the wrestling company stuff I'll hit that at the end like I always do 
But for now, be right back and you will hear some Janet Jackson and then I will get to the first subject of the week. That was Control, or part of opening part of it anyway. Uh, that was my first single off of Janet's first big album, which had the same name, Control. And that was night from 1986. That was her. That was the album where she really broke out and established herself as a big deal, and not just you know the little sister of the Jackson 5 and all of that, which is kind of the place she'd been pigeonholed for a while. Although she was doing some acting also at the time. She'd been on a couple of TV shows, but that was her first big hit from her first big album. As we go on here, I'll be playing probably a little bit, maybe another song or two from that one. And you know, she has several other really big albums that did big business, had a bunch of big hits and all that stuff. So you'll be hearing some of those today. But now to get on with the with the conversation here. Um guess we go ahead and hit the uh I guess can't help but talk about some of the latest stuff in regards to what's going on with the coronavirus and all of that. You know, I know I haven't been talking about, you know, the really sad news or anything. I don't don't really want to do that. Um, you're hearing enough of that. If you watch or read the news every day, you're hearing and seeing enough of that already. You don't need me to add to that. But I guess what I found of some interest is that, you know, the NBA is still trying to cook up a plan to finish the season like the NFL and college football are still holding out hope that they'll be able to play their seasons. I sincerely doubt it. Um, just because of the nature of those games. You know, having 22 people on the field and a bunch of people on the sidelines just is not going to work, even if you don't have any fans in the stadium. But they're going to try to come up with something. And uh, there was a... Uh, a baseball game in Taiwan, a pro baseball game. I saw a few second clip of it yesterday where they are playing. And I think because they've kind of handled it better than most places and, and you know, they've managed to tamp it down somewhat. So they're playing professional baseball. They still have no fans in the stadium, but they did have a game going. So... Now, baseball is one of those things where, you know, you could actually do it, right? Because, 
you know, the players aren't standing that close to each other on the field. They're all spread out. Uh, the, I mean, the closest you're going to get is the batter and the catcher at the plate, right? So, I mean, it's doable. The only, you know, real questions are, you know, what to do with the guys who are like the bench players who are normally sitting in a dugout all together. Um, you know, maybe you put them in different parts of the stands and, you know, they can just come down individually. It's time, it's time for them to go out there and get on the field. You know, same thing with the, you know, relief pitchers and all of that. You know, instead of having them all sitting together, you can spread them out. I mean, that's definitely doable. You know, and then, of course, um, then there's just the issue of, you know, you know, before and after the game, they got to go home. And, you know, the, the plan that was first floated, like, last week or the week before or something, was just, like, to sequester the entire, all the players in one place, like a hotel or whatever, for the whole season. I don't think that's going to work. I think what you have to do is, I mean, let them go home, but, you know, they're families or whoever they live with they got to be you know social distancing and all of that and you know they got to keep the distance from each other when they're in town for the game and then after that um you know if nobody you know they're not showing symptoms you know then they can keep going they can keep playing. I mean, baseball is definitely doable, on, even under these circumstances, more so than any other sport. I mean, you know, football is, is crazy for them to even try it. And, you know, basketball is, well, it's not crazy, but they're risky. But, you know, if, if you know, baseball can definitely do something here, I think it, it's not out of the question. So, if they, you know, if they come up with a way just to not have players infected when they're away from the game, actual game itself, so they're not coming in and transmitting it and all of that, they can they can figure that out. Some you know, the logistics of that, then I think they'd be fine. You know, I mean, and so. I mean, of all the leagues, yeah, I, w- I would definitely be on board with them coming back because I think you, because it's, again, the nature of the game, the way it's played, you can do it because again, everybody's, you know, ninety feet away from each other out on the um, on the field or more if they're in the outfield. So, I mean, it, you know, I mean, I think it's fine. I think they can figure that out. So we'll see if they do. Everybody else, eh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, I do know. I think it would be kind of ridiculous, but they're going to try. They really are. Uh, college football, now now there's a rumor that they're floating the idea of just waiting until February and then going like February to May for college football, which... doesn't sound crazy until you think about the idea that 
they're not going to do that permanently. So what's going to happen is they're going to do, if they do it, they'll do one, you know, next year in 2021, they will literally have one season from February to May. And then they will start the next season up at the end of August, which is going to be murder on those kids' bodies. I mean, it just is. And, you know, I mean, the, the bigger schools, the bigger programs won't be hurt so bad. Like Alabama, they, they might have like 80 to 100 people on the sideline, you know, on the field at one time, and team. Like, so, you know, like them and, you know, Clemson and, you know, USC, schools like that won't be hurt as bad. But your smaller programs that don't have 100 guys, um, they're, they're going to get ground up pretty bad. By the time we get halfway through what will be the second season in two years. In one year, I'm sorry. So, um, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, then, uh, lastly, on the sports front, the, the XFL filed bankruptcy. So, they're probably done. And it's a shame, really. It really is a shame because they had a, they had a really good, exciting football product going on it was a lot of fun to watch i really enjoyed the games that they had it's, it's a damn shame and that it, it folded because you know the first time they tried the xfl it, it was a joke and it was kind of just ridiculous although it, you know, a couple guys did get back in the nfl that way but you know this time it was it was good it was real good stuff and they had some real innovations that i think the nfl is going to pick up on some of that stuff you know, I really hope they pick up on the kickoff return deal because that'll help with so many injuries. Just guys get murdered on kickoff returns. So hopefully, you know, they'll pick up some things, which, I mean, they were going to do that anyway. I mean, they would have stole some things and incorporated it into their own thing. And hopefully they'll do that because there was some really good innovative stuff going on with the XFL. And it was a really fun time. And it, yeah, it sucks that it's, you know, dead, basically, because they filed for bankruptcy. And a big and this is where like the whole idea of like T V money comes in, because they, they weren't they had a nice kind of T V deal, particularly for like a startup league. And they were you know, they had you know, the networks that carry the NFL were were not hostile to them. They were on board and I think the NFL was not being hostile towards them this time because they weren't trying to fight the NFL. And they had a really nice situation that could have really, you know, blossomed in the next few years. But unfortunately, they weren't getting like a big TV rights fee or anything. So they they need they needed to sell tickets, and they were selling tickets pretty well. But they needed to sell tickets. They needed and they needed the gate. They they, they needed it. And with no fans, you know what what canceled games for the rest of this season and then the possibility of no fans next year um they just they wasn't gonna you know they weren't gonna make it they they were gonna finish really badly in the hole and so vince mcmahon and, and company had to just they had to cut their losses now and it's a shame you know so um you know the r.i.p xfl we hardly knew you all right, take a little break here, and you hear some more music, and then I will get to the next subject.
All right, that was uh, Miss You Much. That was from uh, Rhythm Nation 1814, which was the follow-up album to Control. Another big album for Janet. You know, had a lot of big hits off of that one also. All right, so that was Miss You Much. You just heard before it came back here. That's from Rhythm Nation 1814, which was the follow-up album to Control. And, uh, you know, Control was the one that kind of let everybody know that Janet was capable of doing some big things here. And, you know, Rhythm Nation was the album that more or less cemented her place in pop music. And if you hear some music behind you, that is the birds chirping because I'm walking outside. <laughs> Which I'm apt to do early in the morning. Now, there's some... Uh, news that popped up on the pro wrestling front that I will get to at the end of the show. I know that's not a lot of you guys bag. So I'll save that to the end so that you can skip past it if you want to. But right now I just something, you know, kind of caught my eye yesterday. And that is, you know, uh, the drive-in movie theater, right? You know, that's something that has pretty much gone by the wayside past few decades. But, you know, in light of all the kind of social distancing and all this stuff, you know, just something that I thought of, kind of came to mind. And, you know, because... Who knows? I mean, some enterprising person could get the idea, who has some money, <laughs> could get the idea to start bringing those back. I mean, and now, shoot, I mean, you could, you know, pull up to the theater, and now, you know, back in, you know, they had the little speakers you had to kind of put up in your car window or whatever before but now I mean shoot you could just have a Wi-Fi signal and get the sound and you can sit in the car and watch the screen and you know everything will be cool and you can do you know and you don't have to be sitting in a crowded theater with a whole bunch of people worried about getting infected so, I mean, for I mean, whoever manages to get some of those off the ground running just might, you know, get the movie thing going again and, you know, just uh, have a new business because, you know, traditional or the movie theaters as they exist now well, none of them are open right now, really, because of, you know, the shutdown orders. And even when they are, you know, even when those go away, if, I mean, if they, quote unquote, open things back up in, you know, June or whatever, I don't know about you, but man, I'm not going in there. <laughs> no way, no sir, not happening. Uh, sitting in a closed space with... 200 people 
you know, not knowing who does or does not have the coronavirus is not a thing I am going to be doing anytime soon. <coughs> Sorry. So, I don't think I'm not the only person either. So, I mean, they might, you know, they might open the movie theater back up, you know, later this year. But, it wouldn't surprise me, at least the business wasn't what it was. Because a lot of people won't be trying to go. And I am one of those people. And you know what? I will gladly wait until next year when there's at least been some progress on treatment. You know, it's going to be some time before there's an actual vaccine. But at least, you know, next year there might be some kind of better treatment for it. Right now we got nothing. But that's an idea for somebody to come up with, come up with fast, because and movie theaters are in trouble. They were already in trouble, but they're really in trouble now. In fact, anything where you know people buying tickets and sitting down to watch in large groups, anything that relied on that is in trouble. You know. Now the music business right now is in trouble. Or at least the artists are. I mean, the record companies which managed to finagle most of the money off of sales and all that stuff. You know, they'll live or they'll they'll find a way. But I mean artists make most of their money to touring. And right now there ain't no tours. <laughs> and same, and you know, it's the same type. I mean, they're in the same boat as you know, sports and wrestling, basically. That you can't tour. You can't be in a building with a crowd. And you know, recording artists still make most of their money touring. There's no equivalent of TV money for recording artists. And that sucks. So we're gonna have to come up with some type of idea. I mean, you can do, you know, you know, virtual concert. You know, you can get together with your other band members on you know, soundstage. And you know, play stuff live, and you know you can charge a fee or something to stream it. You know, live. You know, look, I'd I'd pay ten dollars or even twenty dollars to stream a live show from you know one of my favorite groups. Wouldn't be a problem. Sure, a lot of other people would do. I think, and I think that's what's going to come to because right now they they literally have nothing coming except a little bit of money they make off of sales. So I just don't see an alternative for them. There, they're going to have to come up with something, come up with something fast.
you know, the other thing's been hurt is uh, comedy clubs, right? Stand-up comedians, because they are also reliant on you know, the gate at comedy clubs, and there's been no equivalent of TV money for most of them, you know, except for the few people that get to have like a HBO special or whatever, you know, but those are filmed at, you know, comedy clubs, so, you know, they, they'll have to resort to the kind of virtual thing too, maybe, and, well, it, it won't be the same, really, because part of a comedy show is them feeding off the audience and maybe doing an ad lib or something off of their prepared material based off the audience reaction, right? But, I mean, it's something they're going to have to do or something they're going to have to consider. You know, because right now, these the big scramble right now in entertainment is to find some way to make some kind of money or to keep what money you have available still coming in so I understand however you feel about the wrestling business still continuing to tape and run live shows I think I've said this before they're just the tip of the iceberg you know before long everybody is going to be considering it because you have to because the reality is there's no money coming in then people aren't going to get paid people are going to get laid off you know uh, furloughs are already coming in a lot of places you know, layoffs will be next so any any way possible to keep some money coming in you're going to need to do So I expect more of that. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, these folks are all adults. And if there is a safer way for them to do it, which in some instances it is. I mean, I mentioned baseball before. Baseball, people are like anywhere from 90 feet apart to a couple of hundred feet apart on the field. That's doable. You just got to keep people apart that are on the bench. I mean, a virtual concert is definitely doable. And the band members don't have to stand right next to each other. I mean, they they, got to cut down on some of the theatrics. Like, you know, when the lead singer and the guitarist kind of stand back to back and do stuff. You know, cut back on that kind of stuff. But they can stand on the sound stage, you know, a little bit apart from each other and play. You know, stand-up comedian can be alone on stage. Maybe have a, you know, a drummer or something up there, you know, and do his or her thing. Right? I mean, there are ways you can do some of this stuff safely, even now, or safer even now so they're going to you know people are going to try
and if you're and, you know if you're able if it's somebody you're a fan of then try to support it and do what you can because you know flows of money are getting closed off left and right and if there's any way we can keep that stuff going or keep at least a little bit of it going without endangering a bunch of people which I think it's fine to do you know what happens in times like this you adapt you know and my old mentor Mr. Tolliver that was one of his little slogans adapt stuff happens you gotta adjust different you know medium you know uh, my comic book store the one I go to can't go in there now but <clears throat> they do ship stuff they're, they're still they'll still ship stuff to you so that's what I did you know support if, if, if you're able then support the businesses that you can support if there's a way for them to do anything for you now if you're able to support them keep supporting them you know in whatever fashion they're able to operate and other than keeping yourself safe you know your family members safe that's nothing you can do you know, like I always sign out with take care of yourself take care of each other well that's a way to take care of each other and you know we do what we can for one another and that's something we can do all right um that's it for this one this segment i get some more music for you and then we will move on that was that's the way love goes that was from janet's fifth album titled janet and she hit the trifecta on that one you know three big albums in a row and the difference on with this one was that she wrote the songs that was a knock on her before that that you know basically her success Came, well, first she got her foot in the, you know she got her foot in the door because she was part of the Jackson family, which I mean it's true, but 
still. I mean, you, you can't, you're not going to have a career that's worth a damn if you don't have any talent, no matter who gets you in the door. But that was the first knock on her. Okay, so then, you know, she had Control and Rhythm Nation. Those were both big, huge hits, sold a lot of copies, had a lot of hit songs. Everybody loved them. But there were still some critics out there because, you know, those albums had been produced by, you know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who were these great prol- prolific kind of R&B music producers. And so now it went from she's just there because of her last name to, you know, she's succeeding because of who's in the booth, you know, engineering her songs and not still not because of her, her own abilities, her own talent or whatever. And yeah, I mean, there were, I mean, which, I mean, yes, I mean, there are, there are artists who are 100% products of their producers. So she set out to prove that she was not one of them. And that's where we come to this album, Janet, where she wrote the songs. And uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis still produced it, but she wrote the songs. So this was just kind of next step up, you know, in her achievements as an artist. You know, when that happens... You know, look, sometimes that happens, right? The more you succeed, the more people want to doubt you. And then, you know, you jump to the next hurdle. And they throw up another one, right? So first it was, you know, she's only here because of her family. And she struck out on her own. Had some hit songs, some hit albums, you know, on her own. Completely divorced from, you know, the Jackson family. Then it became, well, you're just, now you're, well, you're just succeeding because you got Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis doing all your stuff. So then she, you know, then she took the next step and wrote the songs. So she had, you know, she proved some old people wrong here. And as I go on, you know, we're about halfway through here. There will be more music from her coming. But I wanted just to, you know, take a minute to just, you know, heap some praise on all the people who are out there on the front lines right now. Okay, first and foremost, all the people working in the hospitals who are, you know, risking infection every day. Many of them have been infected. And many of them have died dealing with this. And it's important that we do more than just pat them on the back and call them heroes. That's kind of our favorite way to skirt responsibility, you know, in times like this. You know, we, we, we call them heroes and yay, you guys are so great, you're so wonderful. Okay, well, they need more money. They're point blank. They should be getting some equivalent of hazard pay for dealing with this. Cause, I mean, this is like working in a war zone, basically. You know, they, they should be getting some equivalent of hazard pay. They should be getting bonuses. You know, and when this is over, they're going to need some serious therapy and counseling because they're going to have, you know, PTSD from this stuff. 
from dealing with this stuff. And that needs to be paid for and taken care of. You know, there's no, there's no way around that. Okay, we need to do better for them than we did for you know, the 9-11 first responders who, again, we, we called them heroes. Yay, you guys are so wonderful. Yay, you know. Come out on the field before the baseball game and get cheered by the crowd. That's great. Oh, wonderful. But, you know, we're going to skimp and welch when it comes time to give you guys money. And the same thing is going on for the people keeping the food supply up and running, right? They are out there. You know, many of them are getting infected and they are out there taking a risk to keep the food supply running so we can all eat so that we're not like, you know, eating each other, literally. And a lot of them are getting paid chump change kind of money. They deserve more. You know, the, the people who are delivering food deserve more. And they, they have been getting royally screwed by these food delivery services. And they should make more money. They deserve more money. Even before this, they deserved more money, but they damn sure deserve more now. Now, when this is over, they should keep getting more. The people who are delivering packages for Amazon should be getting more money now. And they, and they should continue after this is over. Amazon stock has gone through the roof because so many people are ordering stuff now and not going to the store. So, I mean, their value's gone up and everything, and they should be paying people more money. Anybody whose value, who's, any company whose, you know, income has gone up and their stock has gone up and all of that because they're being called on more now during these times should be paying their people more money. Period. End of story. Yeah, I said a few weeks ago about, you know, I talked a few weeks ago about how, you know, we look down on these folks and we, you know, frown on them and because, you know, they didn't do what we did to get where we are, you know, and, you know, and whatever, okay? We don't have a functioning society without people working those jobs. And during these times, they are taking a much greater risk <laughs> in doing those jobs than they ever have. And their companies are making more money now than they have before because they're providing a vital service during these times. So the people out there doing the work should get more money. They deserve more money. They should get paid more money. They should have they should have access to, you know, hand sanitizer and, you know, or wipes. You know, things that can help them out there. They should have, you know, masks that they can wear. That they should be provided by their employer. Because these employers are making more money now because of the way things are now. 
you know, and if you still think, if you, if you still look at these folks as quote-unquote unskilled labor and think they don't deserve much because it's quote-unquote unskilled labor, then you're listening to the wrong show because I'm going to keep beating that drum until it happens. And even and, and if, if it does happen, I'm going to keep beating the drum because, you know, these folks, as soon as they're out of the water here, they'll try to snatch it away. So no, all right, these people are vital to our society. And it is long past time they got recognized for it. And one point, it's long past time they got paid right for it. Okay, pay these people the money that they should get for what they're doing. Period, end of story. Unless you, unless you are willing to go out there and do it yourself. Which I don't think most of you are. Alright, there is no shame or disgrace if somebody delivering food makes a good salary. That's no shame on you. You know, that doesn't make you less of a person. So those of you who think that way, man, y'all need to stop. And we need to pay these people what they should be getting. Because they're keeping they're keeping things going here more than anybody right now. So look, I salute you guys. I will be an advocate for y'all to get better compensation and to better working conditions always because you deserve it. And I personally thank you for what you're doing for us. And I hope and pray every day for you all, you know, safe travels to and from, safe travels on your routes and your safety while you're working. And I love y'all who are out here doing this, and I know that doesn't really that doesn't really amount to a whole lot, but what I hope is that you know my voice can become one of just many more, and we can keep echoing this sentiment, and we can put some pressure on the people who are paying y'all to pay you better. All right, that's it for the soapbox. Be back in a minute.
Well, that was all for you from Janet's sixth album, which was also titled All For You. And that album made it four in a row as far as big hit successful albums with a bunch of big hit successful songs. And unfortunately, I believe that was the last one before the Super Bowl thing happened. And that's unfortunate because, you know, she released a few albums after that that did not get the coverage they should have, did not sell like they should have. And I'll be the first one to admit that I have not heard any songs off of any albums that she released after the Super Bowl ones because, I mean, she fell kind of out of sight, out of mind. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm as guilty of falling for that as anyone else and everyone else who did. So I guess it would make sense for me to go back and try to listen to some of that stuff now, wouldn't it? Well, <laughs> you know, and I mean, yeah, why not? I'll do that. And you should do it, too. You know, and maybe even buy some of it. Because, well, she's not going to be performing either. She had been, you know, like I said before, she'd been touring recently, but now, you know, Nothing's happening. Even the, uh, the Essence Festival, they held out as long as they could. I mean, everybody knew they were going to pull the plug, but they, you know, they held out as long as they could. Didn't announce it. Didn't announce it. Didn't announce it. And they finally announced that yeah, it's not happening this year. <coughs> so, you know, uh, you want to support your favorite recording artist now? Buy their music. Because you're not going to be able to go see them tour for a while. So, buy their music. I know that I mean, just because of how messed up the music business is, they don't make anywhere near as much money off of people buying their music as they should be making. But it's better than nothing. So, you want to support your favorite artists, go buy their stuff now. And speaking of live performances, well, I was going to search for some different topics for this week, but the wrestling news just pretty much took over with everything that dropped today. Today's Wednesday as I'm talking to you here, or as I'm recording this here. Uh, a bunch of really bad news hit all at one time today. And... That news is that the WWE. <clears throat> first of all, there was a there was a call announced at like noon today, in which you know Vince McMahon was going to be giving an update on the company. Which everybody who saw that news knew it wasn't going to be good. And it turns out it boy was it really bad. Um, so a ton of people have been furloughed or, in the case of the wrestlers, released. I mean, just lots of names, including some people you think would have held on a little bit longer, like Carl uh, Anderson, Luke Gallows, and uh, Rusev, and Leo Rush, and you know, even like lifers like Zack Ryder, they've been released. Um, you know, people who just 
recently resigned, like Mike and Maria Canellas. They're they've been released, and a bunch of other people too. A whole lot of other people, and and also writers and some you know all, a lot of the agents, including people like Fit Finley, who's been there forever, and you know, Lance Storm just got there. You know, um, boy. You know, and that's just, um, well, like I said, some of these are furloughs. From what I understand, the agents are furloughed, and they'll be able to, they will get to come back. I uh, don't know about the other employees, like the writers and whatnot. No, but the wrestlers have been given releases. And, um, you know, this is obviously because of the coronavirus stuff. And... You know, there have been a lot of hot takes on Twitter today, some really bad takes, I might say, that, well, well, one I just saw said that they should have, think things would have been better if they went on hiatus, which makes no sense, because what money they're getting now is from TV. So, I mean, had they gone on hiatus, and uh, then they wouldn't be getting all the TV money, and there'd be more people getting let go. You know, and also that, you know, people pointed to in the last, was it their kind of earnings report or whatever, or call with investors or whatever, they stated that they had, you know, 500 million in cash reserves, right? And so people have been saying that, <coughs> well, they should have just, that that was enough that they don't need to be cutting anybody loose, which makes no sense. I'm sorry. That's like saying, you know, I got $5,000 and if you have $5,000 in your savings account, but you're not getting paid as much as you were last month, that doesn't mean you can't, don't cut expenses. I mean, it just doesn't, right? You can't, I mean, and even if it's an expense, it doesn't add up that much. Like, I don't know, like if, if, if you're, if you got a pay cut and you have $5,000 in your savings account, then yeah, you need to not order out as much for dinner, right? Um, you need to not, you know, take any road trips. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, having cash on hand doesn't mean that you don't cut expenses. I mean, if you're making, if you're bringing in less money, <clears throat> that's not how it works. Okay, and that's and I'm, I'm you know, and that's not me trying to tell you you don't know how to run a business. Well, I don't know how to run a business either. I've never done it. Okay, but I know that when you've lost a significant chunk of your income, you have to cut back on stuff, and it doesn't matter how much you have in your savings account, right? You don't, the, <clears throat> you can't keep burning money at the same clip. You know, with the idea that. Well, your savings account will go get you through, right? You have to, even something that's not a huge expense, because um, from what I'm, from what I've seen, you know, these cuts, well, and it's not just people that got furloughed or released, uh, the, the board members and the executives are taking pay cuts, um, they're cutting back on some stuff with like vendors and whatnot, I mean, so... There's some, you know, they're cutting across the board here. And from what I understand, it's going to, well, from what I've seen, I don't know if this is true or not, but it's going to 
supposedly saved them like 48 million dollars in total and you know people are looking at some people are looking at that like you know like that meant it wasn't necessary because well they said oh well, you got five thousand you know cash i mean 500 million in cash sitting in the vault so you didn't need to do this to say 48 million it's like that's not how it works it's just not how it works I mean, it just isn't, you know? No. So I'm going to take a little break here, a quick break, and I'm going to get more on this topic after you play a little more Janet Jackson music here. All right. Be back in a minute. Alright, that was uh, Pleasure Principle from Control, another one of the big hits from that album. And we're going to just continue talking about the really bad day that happened in WWE today. Uh, with a bunch of people getting released and producers getting furloughed, some writers getting, I don't know if they're furloughed or just let go entirely. You know, there are going to be some people in the office getting furloughed. And just, um, there's there's some real bad takes being thrown around. And, you know, some of them aren't even factual. Um, yeah, I've said in the last segment that <clears throat> mentioned WWE having, you know, $500 million in, like, cash or whatever. Turns out that's not true. Um, that's, like, cash plus, you know, you know credit available right and oh it doesn't really i guess it doesn't really change anything but just except for the idea that they're letting all these people go while they literally have like a vault full of like half a billion dollars just sitting there um and i know you know it's hard really to get on this without turning into like a looking like a corporate bootlicker right i mean i know i know and as much as I've railed about people not getting paid, they're supposed to get paid at other places and whatnot, it, it might seem a little hypocritical. But <clears throat> this is kind of, well, look, it's, it's cold-hearted and corporate what they're doing. All right? I'm not saying that they're doing people a favor. I'm not saying that it is a good thing. All right? But 
yeah, but a lot of places are making these cold-hearted corporate decisions right now. Um, Best Buy is furloughing 51,000 people. Um, Disney has already furloughed 43,000 people. Disney is way bigger and way richer than the WWE, and they furloughed 43,000 people. I don't know what Best Buy's situation is, but they furloughed 51,000 people. Well, they're, they're about to, they announced. Um, you know, just look, I mean, this is happening everywhere. Wrestling business is not immune. You know, and, and look, the wrestling business has always been kind of, you know, tiptoeing away from, you know, tiptoeing a line of, you know, not being in trouble. <clears throat> I mean, all it takes is a couple of retirements or, you know, something bad happening like, you know, Crispin Wall or something to really put the entire business in jeopardy. All right. Um, so when, I mean, when everyone else is taking a hit, they're going to take one. <clears throat> now, the difference is, of course, that we're fans of the performers. We feel like a personal connection to a lot of the wrestlers. It's different than, you know, your favorite recording artist. Look, I mean, you don't feel, you know, you could be a huge fan of Beyonce, but, you know, a wrestling fan who is a fan of, say, Sasha Banks feels much, a much more personal connection to her than than they probably do to Beyonce, even if they're like a member, even if they're like a member of the Beehive, you know, or whatever, right? So yeah, it feels different and it hits a lot different when you see these people getting released. Uh, it feels like you know you're being personally well, not offended, but like just like you're being personally hit by Vince McMahon for letting these people go. And I understand that. I mean, when I saw, trust me, when I saw the, the list of names growing and growing, you know, I was hoping that, you know, it was nobody that I was a fan of would make that list or no one that I've, you know, maybe not be not a fan of, but who I've, you know, come to respect as a performer, which, you know, like, I'm not a Zack Ryder fan per se, but, you know, I've, I've always respected the way he approached doing his job and, you know, and, he added he he added value to the place by being there, and he got let go. You know, you know he I mean, he's one of those people. He's pretty much a lifer, you know. And you know Heath Slater, another one, been there forever, right? When you, like even if you're not personally a fan of them, you know they become kind of like family because you know they they're that familiar face who's always there. Who shows up and does his job, right? Um, so yeah, I understand that. Yes, it 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 it's not the same as when, like, say your favorite sports team cuts a player, even if you even if you like that player, because I mean you don't get you don't get the kind of quasi personal connection to players as you do to your favorite wrestlers. Right. I mean, there's a possibility. I mean, you, 
you know, your favorite wrestler might actually answer you on Twitter or like one of your tweets, right? Or, you know, you, you might go see them at meet and greets and, and they might, you know, if you go enough times, they might actually, you know, they might remember you. I mean, it's just, it's just a different thing, right? Or it feels different. It feels more personal. So, yeah, and then if it's somebody who, let's say, is not one of the, hasn't become one of the bigger name people yet, but you like them and you've been pulling for them to, you know, get that opportunity to do something bigger and... You know, and now you found out today that one of the people that's been released. Yeah, I mean, that, that feels more personal than, you know, when, when, when one of those like little engines that could, you know, type of football player gets cut in training camp at the very end or something, right? It's not the same thing. And I think a lot of us kind of assumed that. You know, WWE had this endless supply of money and would never be in any type of trouble and would never be in a position to be doing this. So the fact that they're doing it, it kind of feels like it feels like they're doing something they shouldn't have to be doing or they don't have to be doing. Oops, and I hit the wrong button. And, and, you know, and it feels like they're being excessively cruel on purpose, you know, something, right? But they're not. They really aren't. I mean, they're they're a publicly traded company. They got shareholders to appease. So they have to return a certain amount, like profit margin or whatever that goes into this um now if you want to say that a wrestling company shouldn't be that big and they shouldn't be a publicly traded company and all that kind of stuff well that's a whole nother matter to get to because you know there's that's all that was that's all that's all their type of conversation because, you know, some of you all's beef with WWE is that, they, is that they are as big as they are. And that it somehow, you know, is a drag on the rest of the business. And I'm going to get into that next. Because you know, that's, a whole, that's a topic that deserves its own segment. So, I'm going to give you some more music here. Then, I'll, then I will get to that.
Well, all right. <laughs> that was all right from uh, Rhythm Nation 14. Uh, another one, you know, another one of the hits, of course. And so now, gonna just continuing on with this, you know, thing about the WWE and being the big corporate bad guy and all this kind of thing. Well, yes, they very, yes, are they the big corporate bad guy of the wrestling business? Yes, they are. Okay. Now, um, where I differ from a lot of folks who like to pontificate about that on Twitter is that, well, for one, I, I just, I disagree with just a lot of the arguments that people make, a lot of the stuff that people say. Like one, you know, is that they're, they were, you know, hoarding talent, you know, basically, you know, that they're buying up all the talent, all the, all the good wrestlers, keeping them away from working the indies and working with other companies, um, et cetera. And that, you know, and of course they, you know, they go back to reference that, you know, Vince bought up all the talent back in the eighties too. And that's why he killed all the territories. And okay, folks, can we, can we get real here? All right. Well, what he's done in the past, what they've been doing on the past, probably five or six years and what they did during the eighties, they offered people more money. And yes, a lot of times they did do that to keep them from working for other people. Yes, a lot of times they did that to, yes, they did that to get them away from other people. Yes, they did. Okay. And a lot of times they gave people contracts and they didn't do much with them. Yes, that is all true. Okay. But they offered people more money than they were getting where they were. And the people took it. Because if you're not getting paid that much where you are, somebody else offers more money to do the same job, there's a good chance you're going to take it. Okay? You know, you want a modern-day example? Tommaso Ciampa said he was on, I think, Lillian Garcia's little podcast thing, right? He was on there, and one of the things he mentioned, he mentioned he was getting, like, 20 grand to work in Ring of Honor. He's working in Ring of Honor. He's, he's getting tw 20 grand. And he wanted to stay there because he loved working in Ring of Honor. And but they wouldn't give him a raise. They told I mean, he his you know according to him, they told him he was told that he was never going to be worth more than 20 grand a year. So they weren't going to give him a raise. So he so he either called Hunter or, you know, I guess Hunter called him and he took the call and he went to NXT because they paid him more money. Now, do you really want him? Should he have stayed in Ring of Honor and worked for 20 grand for the love of the, from the love of the art? Should he have done that? You know, should the other people who left Ring of Honor to come there, and there have been a lot of people who left Ring of Honor to come to NXT, should, should they have all stayed in Ring of Honor for the love of the art? 
I mean, seriously? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying the people who came from the Indies, to, you know, to come to NXT should have stayed on the Indies and have, you know, done the, you know, kind of business that happens on the Indies where, you know, a few people have carved out a really good spot for themselves and get paid really well. But a lot of people don't. Should should they just keep doing that? For the love of the art. I mean, that was the same question that, you know, that was there during the 80s. I mean, were you supposed to keep working for Bill Watts, who was notorious for not paying people very much? I mean, were you supposed to keep working for him, you know, for the love of the art or before the, you know, because, you know, because, you know, working for Bill Watts down in the Mid-South was, that was real wrestling and not sports entertainment. You should have stayed down there and kept doing that. Working for somebody who was notorious for not paying people very well. You know, the people who worked for Jerry Jarrett. Jerry Jarrett was another one who was notorious for not paying people very well. And yet, you know, people who worked for Jerry Jarrett were supposed to stay there and keep working there. Because that was real wrestling. And not sports entertainment. I mean, here's the thing. Right? If you don't want people going to work for WWE. If you really don't want that. Then you should want these other companies to pay them better. And they don't have to match the offer that, you know, the WWE makes to people. I mean, like I said Ciampa wanted a raise. He probably would have stayed if, I mean, if they had bumped him up to, I don't know, 40 or 50 grand, he probably would have stayed. Right? I mean, there are people who would stay in Ring of Honor or Impact or whatever for 100 grand. Right, like who don't you know? You don't have to pay them two fifty, or what you know, or well, that's not NXT doesn't pay that anyway. But understand, I mean, you got people jumping from the Indies or from Ring of Honor or Impact. You got people jumping for a sixty grand NXT contract. If they're willing to do that, how how little are they getting paid in Ring of Honor? If they're willing to, to jump for a sixty grand NXT contract, not much. And I'm sorry, until these other until these other companies, you know, pay better, then you can't expect people to turn them down. You know, I mean you can't expect people to, to turn down a WWE offer. So they can keep making twenty grand in Ring of Honor, or that they can, you know, make the kind of inconsistent 
money that most people in the Indies are making. Right? I mean, you can't expect people to do that. And yeah, it, look, does it suck if somebody you really like from the Indies or from Ring of Honor or Impact or whatever, does it suck if they sign with NXT or and then they you know, don't get on TV? Yeah, yes. Okay. You know, does it suck if they make it to the main roster and they get stuck like on, you know, main event? Yes. Yes, it does. But if you don't want that for people, you know, if you want if you know, if you want people to continue to work in the companies where you enjoyed the mo- them seeing them work the most, those companies gotta pay better. It turns out I uh, forgot an album in my counting up Janet Jackson's albums. I forgot about the Velvet Rope, which was actually her sixth album. I think I said that uh, All For You was her sixth album, and I missed one. And that's Velvet Rope, and that was one of the songs from Velvet Rope. Uh, don't know what you got till it's gone, which is pretty fitting for <laughs> what we're dealing with here right now. Uh, but, you know, we're kind of in the day two of the you know fallout i guess you could call it from all of those people that got released from the wwe released furloughed you know depends on what position they held and now you know there's a real examination i guess or well i wouldn't really not examination is not right just more like performative outrage did i see out of a lot of people over what happened and you know some of that was based on some straight up misinformation now I'm in the process of writing something for my website robsagenius.com where I'm you know kind of hitting on all of that but you know I'll say this um, the timing for what happened is not good, you know, to let all those people go right now when, you know, other businesses, other industries are doing the same and where there aren't really any that many 
openings or places to sign if you're a wrestler right now because people aren't running shows and they're not making a whole lot of money. Although, uh, one of the people who was released, uh, Carl Anderson, uh, did tweet out today, today's Thursday, as I'm recording this part of the show, that um, he tweeted out just kind of a, like a little short video of, you know, like a city skyline changing from, I think it was like Santa Monica to Tokyo. So he's going back to New Japan. And that's not a surprise because he was there a long time as part of the Bullet Club. You know, he's in good with, you know, the people in charge there. He can go back and hook back up with the Bullet Club. That's, you know, that's pretty easy transition for him you know so long as they had a spot that he could fill and i do think uh new japan or well japan is closer to starting things back up than we are here so yeah it's not crazy or it, it shouldn't be too big of a surprise that he got you know an opening and I guess the question is, will Luke Gallows go back there with him? We don't know. Because, you know, Anderson was, did have a decent little singles run going there before they left. Whereas Gallows was, I think, I think Gallows is older. But, yeah, I think, you know, uh, Gallows doing a singles run, I don't see happening. So, you know, if he doesn't go back with Carl and they don't team up again, man, I don't know what he's going to do. But yeah, but I mean, it's pretty inopportune time or the most inopportune time to release all of these folks. You know, and look, they deserve all the criticism for doing it. And, you know, to be blunt, look, um, I won't get into all the numbers in particular. So I'll do that. I'm doing that in the piece that I'm writing. But I mean, this was, you know, this this was something that was done to appease stockholders and the reality is that they're a publicly traded company and by law they have to act in the interest of the stockholders first and I mean that's been taken all the way to the Supreme Court and decided there so you know no matter how cavalier Vince McMahon may may or may not be about the people who work there I mean, this is kind of one of those things where, you know, they kind of have, well, they have to come up, they had to do something to show these stockholders that they are taking some type of proactive steps to, you know, salvage the, you know, the profits for the year. You know, you're looking at, you know, no shows. I mean, no, no tickets the rest of the year, uh, no merchandise at venues the rest of the year. You know, I mean, the, the so your know, income's going to be down. So, in order to maintain the profit margin, yes, they had they had to cut a bunch of stuff, and they also, you know, cut the, you know, board members and executive compensation, and couple other things they did like they didn't just let a bunch of people go but this is definitely a you know appease the shareholders kind of move which 
they are bound by law to do. So yeah, it's, it's you know it's a crappy thing they did, and unfortunately the way our laws were for publicly traded companies, when something like this happens, you have to do crappy things. And you know what? That's you know what when they when they decide to take the company public, that's the deal with the devil you make. So you know, blame them for that if nothing else. Yes. But it's a bigger problem. It's a societal problem, which, you know, when I talk about this, a lot of stuff, yeah, I, I take it there because most of these things are, most most of the, the individual bad things going on, you know, that are being done on like a large scale are societal problems. They're not just, you know, issues of the you know, transgressions of a single company or single individual or whatever. I mean, they're a, just a symptom of a bigger problem. And in this case, the bigger problem is that when it comes to large companies with lots of employees, you know, the first loyalty is to the shareholders, not the people who work there. And that's one of those things where you know, if you don't want that to be the case, then, you know, we got much more work to do than to try and, you know, rain down some type of punishment on the one company we get mad at about doing that kind of thing. You know, it's just much bigger deal than that, folks. Much bigger deal. So, got to look at the big picture. That we do, because... <clears throat> you know, today or yesterday was WWE. You know, sometime in the next few months, you know, some of the other wrestling companies are going to have to get leaner. And look, and look, they're not publicly traded, but they still have, you know, money going out and no money coming in. Right? They still owe vendors. They still owe people for stuff. You know, they still have office space that they're paying for or whatever. And they're not running shows. And they're going to have to, you know, make some type of cuts also. I mean, it won't be on the same scale. But they're going to be doing that. You know, they're going to be wrestlers who get released. They're going to be, or who maybe were doing per appearance type of deals who won't be getting any more appearances for a while. There are people who work in some of those offices that will be let go. You know, I mean, when you look outside of wrestling on a bigger scale, I mean, Best Buy is about to furlough 51,000 people. Disney is furloughing, I think the total is up to like 77,000 now. You know, um, we're in for a rough year, period, you know, across the board and the entire economy. And, you know, the wrestling business was not going to be immune from that. So you can... It's fair to be critical or to even be flat out angry with what WWE did. And, you know, whenever any way possible that you can support the people who were let go. I mean, you know, some of the wrestlers, they have T-shirts on pro wrestling tees. They have cameo things, you know, where you can, they, you pay a little money and they, you know, record a message for you or whatever. 
right? They, I mean, there are ways you can support some of those folks that will let go. And there are other indie wrestlers who, you know, were not in WWE at all, but who were working indies and who are not working right now because, you know, indies are not running shows. They got t-shirts on pro wrestling tees and they got cameo things too. And, you, and, you know, you support them as best as you can if you're able You know, the whole the whole industry is kind of you know up up in the air right now and when this thing is over you know it's not gonna look the same uh, we don't you know we we think that you know that the major companies will survive we think that because you know almost all of them have some type of bigger backing I think the only one that doesn't really have some type of bigger corporate backing is MLW, right? I mean, because you know, Ring of Honor is owned by Sinclair, Impact is owned by Anthem, AEW is owned by the Khan family, who's got NFL and Premier League soccer money and another private business. You know that they're they make their you know they make their real money off of. Of course, I mean, WWE is the big behemoth, right? Um, so, you know, we, you know, we, we think that they're all going to make it. There's no guarantees, right? Um, you know, we think that, you know, NWA will survive just because of the kind of the small scale that they operate on and, you know, and they can, you know, they can afford to just sit and wait. You know, I mean, we you know, we think all of these people will survive, but we don't know, right? We don't know that all of the wrestlers will be able to get gigs. We don't know that all of the office workers who were let go will be able to find new work in the business. You know, we just we don't know. So if you're able support. You know, the people who have ways for you to support them, do it if you're able. Find somebody. I mean, you know, there's somebody out there that you're a fan of and find a way to support them because they're going to need it for a while. All right, well, that's it for this segment. Uh, got a couple more songs going to play for you before we get up out of here. And maybe I have a few more words. Uh, yeah, I will have a few more words about something. So we will be right back in a minute.
All right, that was When I Think of You. That was from Control. And we are just about done here for this week. And so uh, this was a pro wrestling heavy episode. So my apologies to those who are not big fans of that whole thing. Uh, Next week, maybe we will have some different subject matter for you. But there was just so much going on this week that there was no way I could not spend a bunch of time talking about it. So, I hope that things are going well for you this week as well as possible. And again, my hopes and prayers are with all of you who are out there on the front lines dealing with the coronavirus, whether you're healthcare workers or delivery people or, you know, grocery store folks, employees. Uh, um, you know, I, for all of you who are have been infected and who are trying to recover from it, you know, keep fighting, stay strong. For those of you who've lost somebody to it, uh, I can, you know, my condolences. And, you know, as always, um, you know, take care of yourselves, stay home, don't be out anywhere you don't have to be, and take care of each other. And God bless you guys. And as always, I love y'all. Y'all my people. Y'all thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with y'all. Thank you, all of you who've been there from day one and are sticking with it. Thank you. And I will leave you with one more cut from Janet Jackson as soon as I pick which one it's going to be and I think I have one here now and so I will talk to you God willing I will talk to you guys in a week again check me out on Nerdicons I should be up by the time you hear this if not it'll be up soon the review I was in on for a Transformers movie you can also hear me there talking doing fan casting for a Batman TV show and for a review of the Batman 1989 movie. Now, when I am back there, I will give you guys a heads up. And until then, uh, I will have my piece up on my website talking more about this stuff. Again, that is robsagenius.com. You can also... Follow me on Twitter at R-B-O-N-N-E-1. And I believe that is all for my little handles and shout outs and all that good stuff. So until next week, again, thank you for listening. God bless you guys. Love you.